the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon. This is uh, Pastor Joe Sutton. Uh, skew, if I sound my lip sounds a little skewed, it's because I just left the dentist's office, and you know how it is when you getting the feeling back in your in your lip and you're moving back to side to side so uh but uh it's it's all good it's fun so it makes life exciting uh you know i just want to continue talking to you about uh the subject i started on last week and that was just you know serving serving god in spite of you and uh and serving god in spite of you and what i mean by that is, is that sometimes you know it seems that god calls us and puts us into situations that that we say we are not prepared for you know i it can't be god and then there's other times you know you know we we get into situations and we put ourselves in a situation for how we feel that god wants to operate in our life so you know it's even had these two polar opposites either we're telling god you know uh how we want to serve him or we're telling god how we can't serve him and uh and so as a pastor you know, I see both of them at times, and really, as a, in the urban context, if if you've ever uh, uh, worked in a church or been in leadership in an urban context, you'll understand what I'm about to say. Is is that you find the first one not believing in yourself to be more prevalent than others, because in an urban situation, what people don't understand a lot of times, and and uh, as I talk to church planners and people around. Because not everybody wants to go urban because everybody wants to go urban because of gentrification. You know, urban is 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 not no longer uh, associated with middle class and lower middle class. Urban is now starting to be associated with upper middle class and above. And it's just I, I, it's always amazes me, as I said a couple weeks ago, how we love to plant churches in places where there's money. And uh, and I and I and I understand and I realize that it takes money to do anything. Lord knows I do. I, I'm thankful for the people who who partner with us, who uh, who give. And uh, if we had to do what we do based on our church budget, we wouldn't be doing some of the things we do, especially in the lives of young people and creating leaders and, and watching them go off. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, it's like downtown has been downtown for 100 years. And when all the churches used to be downtown, then they slowly moved out toward Lake Street and then toward the suburbs. Now everybody wants to try to find a spot downtown to plant downtown now because downtown has become the place where, you know, uh, young people are hanging out. You know, there's money there. And, you know, it's it's like now the church is breaking its neck to plant downtown. You know, I got I got uh, churches popping up in places just a mile away from me. And, and uh, you know, it's it's like 
not even a, you know, a, a, I don't even know. Not even like somebody comes around and say, hey, you doing anything around here? You do, you know, what, what's, the, what's the climate like? And it's just, I, you know, sometimes our, our mindset always baffles me as a businessman and as a man of God. But you'll find in the urban context, because people in the urban context have always had to deal with uh, a, a Nazareth uh, type experience. Whereas the Jewish leader said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know, most people believe can any good thing come out of the city? Can any good thing come out of the urban context? We all know that the suburban schools are better. The housing is better. You know, the dogs are better. Everything is better. You know, the shopping, everything like that. And, you know, and you when you say you're going into the city, then for me, immediately there's danger. Um, you know, my son, when it came time to have his open house, you know, we received words like, you know, is it safe? I'm I'm not going to let my child come over to the open house. You know, these are his classmates he spent four years of school with. But, you know, because they're so swayed, you know, by 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 what I feel is biased TV reporting. Uh, you know, I, I've never had an incident in my 25 years of living in North Minneapolis. You know, if anything, I had people look out for me, you know, as opposed to uh, trying to do me harm. But you have people that, that don't want to come, don't want to visit me because they're afraid. We did a joint revival one time, uh, different ministries, suburban and urban. And I was getting phone calls. I was, and I got irritated because I must have received like about seven or eight phone calls. Will my car be safe? You know, is it safe for me to come to this revival? Because this picture is painted, you know, not understanding the money game. You know what I mean? That you paint this picture that this neighborhood is dangerous so that the property values go low so you can buy low, sell high. Now you're seeing homes selling for just outrageous sums of money in North Minneapolis, you know, because, you know, two out of every three people that move to North Minneapolis are white. And uh, and so you just see this happening. But you look back and you go like, wow, why why is it painted this way? You know, I, one of the main reasons I took my kids out of public school and put them in the Catholic school. And I, I say Catholic school and I ain't ashamed to say Catholic school. I, I try my best not to ever put my child in a Christian school. Uh, call me on the phone and I'll explain it to you. You know, what I mean, is that is that because here I am, my son didn't have a math book in sixth grade. They didn't have books. The teachers going on ed helper doing their best to educate them. I'm speaking at a junior high in the southwest part of town. And I see the math books on the bookshelf. And I said, oh, I said, uh, you guys short on books, too. You got to leave them in the classroom. And the teacher says, no, all the kids have a book. This is in case they leave their book at home. This is the same school district, you know, at this school, they have extra books sitting there. So kids, in case they leave their book at home, you know, what I mean, they can have a book when they get to school. And here's my child over on, in the same school district in North Minneapolis who has no book. And they say books won't be there till January. And you couldn't transfer a book over, bring the books over and a lot of them. So I had to I made them put my son in seventh grade math. You know what I mean? The way he can have a book and he can learn because I, I I know my child. He's smart. And if you don't challenge him, and which he got A's in that. And then they made him take sixth grade math. So he took sixth and seventh grade math at the same time. And, uh, you know, and he got A in it. But the thing the different about it is, is that when you don't expect any good thing from an area, you ain't, you don't spend no money on it. Right. You know, I don't wash my car. I don't go to the car wash. My wife is at the car wash all the time. 
But, you know, I'm the husband, so I drive the raggedy car, right? <laughs> it ain't even worth $6 to run through the, through the day. As long as the engine run and the tires is good, you know, and the tranny's well-serviced, you know, that's my car. You know I mean? You look in there, look, it's my mobile office, man. They got track equipment. They got office equipment. They got everything in there, you know, because it, I don't expect nothing from it. I don't cherish that car. You know, my wife, though, her car is clean. If I leave a cup in there, I'm getting a report. You know what I mean? Because why? Because she has high expectations for her car because she has a nice car and she wants to keep it nice. If you don't believe. So you take a person who's not only a part of a geographical area where you don't expect any good thing to come from. But now you take a person who's also part of a people group that you don't expect any good thing to come from. Don't get nervous. I'm not about to get into no racial divides or anything like that. I'm just sticking with urban. I'm sticking with urban lore. I'm talking about people groups. And the most, to me, the the most, the most, just group that suffers the most bias out there, you know, is not uh, any of our minorities. And we have a lot of minorities. You know what I mean? It's not the majority. It's not, it's not people's sexual orientation. It's felons. It's felons. It's an individual who's done time in prison or jail, who's paid the price that society says they need to pay to come back into society. But when they come back into society, they're not allowed to function. There are certain places they can't live. There are certain places they can't work. You know, I mean, there's certain things that are there. So the debt is never paid. You know, if I tell you the number of guys that have come to my office and, and cried that have met the Lord through prison fellowship, Freedom Works, you know, some of the ministries that I've had on the show and they they, they love the Lord, Damascus way, you know, and they're, they're there and they're, they're serving God. But yet they're still haunted by the past that they've already paid for. And you, and you that's like a bill collector keep calling you and harassing you and telling you to keep paying the same bill over and over and over again. When I had one guy, tell you, he said, when is it over? He, he, he turned himself in 29 years ago. And, you know, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he turned himself in 29 years beforehand, served his time. You know, he got saved, so he turned himself in, got saved, did everything right, hadn't had an offense for 29 years. Because of 911, when they started doing background checks, they ran background checks at the job and released him from his job that he was working because they were getting funds from the state. And the state said, because of what he did 29 years ago, we don't desire him to be working around these type of people. And the organization had to let him go because they were getting receiving that that state funding. And and, and he cried because this is a man trying to take care of his family. You know, what I mean, now he's in his 50s and they got to go out there and try to find a job. You know, what I mean, you know, you got to deal with age discrimination, you got to deal with everything else to try to make that thing. You know, and he's like, he just looked at me and said, Pastor, when will it be over? When will it be over? You know, so when you're dealing with a people, a people. Yeah, I'm just I'm saying people and, you know, race is not culture. And there's various cultures that you have to deal with, especially in an urban context. You know what I mean? And in an urban context, I have to deal with felons. You know, the joke in the city is that you have to have a felony to be a member of my church because I'm felony friendly. Right. I'm felony friendly. I'm pistol friendly. I don't have no sign on my door to say you can't bring your gun in there. I don't know, but I'm not scared of no gun, but that, yeah, I, maybe you are, but I ain't scared of no gun. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't because I realize that some people ain't going to come into my church unless they have their gun on them because 
you know, the life they live on the street and what's out there, they don't feel safe. Now, it's my job as a man of God to convince them that my God is greater. You know what I mean? And, and I do a pretty good job of that. You know what I mean? Because I believe in the power of God and I believe in protection and, and, and they trust me. But understand this is that we still have to serve God in spite of ourselves. But some people come with so much baggage, baggage that they didn't really pick up. Baggage just had been bestowed upon them because, number one, where they live at, where they're from. Right. Jesus had to deal with it. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, they they this man performing miracles. This man is doing stuff that no one has ever done before. And they still didn't believe who he was because of his location. Right. Then they did background into his history and found out they, they started adding the math and found out he was a bastard child, meaning that he was he was born out of wedlock. You know, the the, the, the marriage date and the birth date didn't line up for the for the 38 weeks. And and, and they, they start they start trying to find things. What's wrong with this man that, that, that to, to not validate what he's doing, but to, to, to downgrade and tear down what he's doing. So he had to fight against and still serve God. But himself wasn't himself. He was he knew who he was in Christ. He knew what his mission was, but he still had to deal with people wanting to put him in certain categories. So now you fast forward to the ministry context, you know, what I mean, and I'm talking about people that I know personally who who have tried to come into the city and, and, and start a children's ministry or prison ministry or anything like that. And they can't understand the mindset. They can't understand the defeatist mindset. But you, are, but if you're in a situation where nobody expects you to succeed, you're in a situation where nobody expects you to be to to, to amount to anything. Then whatever you do is either an improvement or is what you're supposed to do anyway. You know, you you try to fight against the odds, but you don't see anybody winning. Now people have won, you know, but they don't come back. They get out of the city. You know, one thing that I heard. Over and over again, when I first came into to uh, youth ministry, when I used to work with Youth for Christ, is that the 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 arching theme, and this was not just Youth for Christ. I mean, it's the, it's the youth ministry, especially urban youth ministry. They tell kids, get saved and get out of here. Get out of here. That's all I heard when I was a young boy growing up in Chicago. Get out of here. Get out of here. But you know what? I grew up in a time where I had to be influenced by great civil rights leaders, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King and some you might not like as in a, you know, a, a Malcolm X or even there. Chicago is a black consciousness town. And so the nation of Islam was pretty prevalent. And, you know, so I had a black Panther that was assigned to my block that, that, that taught us. He, and he, he said the opposite message Whereas the church, at the Catholic school I went to told me to get out of here. Right. You know, I mean, I mean the, the church didn't say get out. The church said, stay. The black leader said, get out of here. Then the black Panther dude came in and said, take it over. Right. You know, take it over, dominate, take it over. Don't even worry about conforming to the neighborhood. Don't worry about running from the neighborhood. Take it over. Right. And, and, and so that's always been my mindset that wherever I go, I take it over. You know, and so and so I have a different mindset than most people because, you know, the nuns and this guy here told me I can dominate and not run. And other people I see, they run, they leave not, and, and they, they, they don't stay. They don't be that living example. 
you know, I've shared with you before how, you know, me and my wife would walk through the neighborhood and, and people just look at us and stare because he's just never seen a, a husband and wife taking a stroll through the neighborhood on the thing, thing there. You know what I mean? You're surrounded by people living together or, or, or craziness. That is, that is a refreshing thing to see is going there. You know what I mean? But we still have to serve God in spite of ourselves. We can't look at ourselves. We have to look into what God has called us to. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Isaiah 61 on 980 The Mission. And uh, my name is Joseph Sutton, Pastor Spirit of the Lord Church. And we're going to come back and wrap up with, uh, as I always do, with some action steps uh, to what our subject is today. And that's serving God in spite of ourselves. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Many comedians today are not only not family-friendly, but use profanity and slurs to draw laughs. That's why AM980 The Mission presents its fourth annual Clean Comedy Night on November 5th at Revive Brooklyn Park Church featuring Amy Barnes. Tickets are $9.80 with VIP options available. Find more info and tickets online at am980themission.com slash ccn. Join us on Saturday, November 5th for our Clean Comedy Night with Amy Barnes. Hey, welcome back to Isaiah 61. Put a little bounce in your step. You know, I remember when I was doing the state fair and <laughs> and my bumper music came on, you should have seen all the heads turn. All the heads went like, you know what I mean? And I could tell who the urban people were. <laughs> urban has bass. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's country western. I don't care if it's blues, bluegrass. There's going to be some bass in it. You know what I mean? And that, that turns heads. Uh, but getting back to what I said, serving God in spite of yourself. You know, I, I look at Job, right? Job, Job did not curse God. Job knew that he had done nothing wrong, but yet Job didn't live like he didn't do anything wrong. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to live what you know. And one of the things that that, that is that is frustrating when I deal with, with Christians is a lot of Christians will say the right thing. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm all like that. They'll say those things. But they don't live those things. Right. We'll turn around and, and say, you know, you know, I'm the head. I need to no man lead me and everything like that. But yet we allow a plant to dictate our lives. And what do I mean by that? I mean, a plant, tobacco plant, cocaine plant. You know, what I mean, whatever plant, you know, what I mean, salad. I don't care what it is. You know, what I mean, we we allow that 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 cigarette, that marijuana, whatever it is. Tells us when to go outside and take a break. Tells us, I mean, it, 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 we 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 get dominated by a plant, but we have a problem following a man, right? We we, we get dominated by a phone. Some people can't even put their phone down. You know what I mean? They, they, the phone tells them what to do. People get mad at me like, your phone is ringing. I say, and ain't you gonna answer it? I say, 
it, 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 the only one I answer to is the one who helped pay the bill. And that's my wife. And she knows she got, she got, she got a special ring. She got prima donna. And I said, if you want me to answer you every time, you start giving me some money on this bill and I'll give you a special ring. And every time you tell me, I will answer this phone. But until then, this phone don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I don't care how many messages pop up on this phone. I'm a grown man. This phone don't tell me what to do. You know what I mean? But I, I watch some people, the phone, even my kids, they go running to get my phone for me when it's ringing to bring it to me. I don't even tell them to do it. They said, but dad, the phone's ringing. I said, well, what did the phone start calling shots up in here? You know what I mean? It's, it's but So it's one thing to know who you are. It's another thing to live that way. Job knew he was right, but he was still sitting in ashes. He was still sitting in the sackcloth and ashes. He was still pitying, wishing he was never born, right? But at the same time, you turn back around and say, I haven't sinned. <laughs> I've done nothing wrong. You know what I mean? I don't know why the Almighty's mad at me. Well, if, if you don't know if you've done nothing wrong, as God says to him in chapter 40 and 41, why are you living like it, right? Why are you living like it? You tell me you love the Lord. You tell me you love the Lord and everything like that, and you want to serve him and everything like that, but you don't read your Bible. You know, you you, do, you don't surround yourself with the word of God. You surround yourself with other things. You know, I'm not an anti-movie, uh, video, secular music kind of guy. I don't do it. I surround myself with the word. I think I have a great responsibility, and I want to make sure I keep myself in that framework. But at the same time, I can't say, you know, I love something when I'm hanging out with something that's the opposite of what it is I say I love. I love to work out with two jelly donuts in my hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just can't. I, even, you know, even, you know, when I had this bypass, they tested my heart. They gave me a stress test, a nuclear stress test. I passed the stress test with only a vial and a half. And the doctor looked at me and he said, your heart is healthy. He said, it's just your artery clogged. And, and 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 he said, how you pass the test with three clogged arteries at 90%? And I just told him, I said, because I don't, I don't, I try not to eat bad. I try, I try to do some kind of exercise. You know what I mean? I'm a big guy. I always have been a big guy. I said, but that's not stopping much. I said, I try to be as healthy as I can. I said, you know, I, I you got to live like what you believe. You know, is if you don't, people won't think you believe it because belief affects your whole lifestyle. Right. So what is needed? People always want to come in with all these programs to give stuff to free food or whatever it is that like that. The main thing that people need to invoke change in their life is to believe that change is possible. And the belief has to be so strong that it changes their lifestyle patterns. That's what a testimony is. That's what people love to hear, right? They love to hear the fact, you know, that this that you was an alcoholic, you're not an alcoholic anymore. We can believe a guy can get redeemed from alcohol and drugs and clap our hand, but we can't believe a felon can change. I'm going back to the felons. We can't believe a felon can change. We have sympathy for the fact that that uh, two men and two women can't express their love in marriage, and so. We said it's just not fair. They should be able to be married too. But then we turn back on the felon who's paid his price and did whatever and won't yield to him if I'm living in our neighborhood or doing things like that. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't understand. And some of the greatest opposition comes from folks who say they know the Lord Jesus Christ. I sat in a meeting of pastors and I sat there and I heard an a, a elder 
Number two man in the denomination stand up and say, you shouldn't have no felons serving in your church. I had to raise my hand. I said, I wouldn't have, I won't have no help. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I got some felons. What about the felons like me who just didn't get caught? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, I did the same thing they did. I just didn't, I just didn't stand before a judge and get no time. You know what I mean? You know, but you check my record. I pass your background check. Most perverts pass background checks. I ain't scared of a person that passes a background. I mean, that has a bad background because they know they're the first ones you look at. I'm scared of the ones who pass the check. That's what I'm scared of. You know what I'm saying? But I, if you tell me I can't have a felon, and, and, and then you talk about planting urban church ministry, and you help create this, people understand this. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. When God God knew Gideon was scary and was going to ask for a fleece. Right, and he knew that was gonna happen. He was hiding in the threshing with things threshing his wheat. But that's not what God looks for. He looks for obedience. He looks for those people who believe his word. And their belief is not just something they say with their mouth, it's how they live their lifestyle. Your lifestyle is a reflection of your belief and what you do. And we have to serve God in spite of ourselves, in spite of addiction, in spite of bad habits, in spite of bad language. And we got to allow him, his Holy Spirit, to work through us to do the work. We're not doing the work. If we're doing the work, it's all off base anyway. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a powerful week. Thank you for listening to me. And as always, contact me. I'm always open. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flint with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com